0: Brethren, all the saints through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, received promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and scourging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn into, they were tempted, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering over deserts and mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these things, though well attested by their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had foreseen something better for us, that apart from us they should should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the pioneer and perfection of our faith.
1: Peace be to you, the reader. Attentive.
0: Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you.
1: The Lord
2: said to his disciples, everyone who acknowledges me before me, before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And Peter said in reply, Lo, we have left everything and followed you. What then shall we have? Jesus said to them, Truly really I say to you in the new world, and the Son of Man shall sit on his glorious throne. You who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many that are first will be.
1: the Gospel. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to
2: you.
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Ponyapola, Blessed Feast Day. We know today is the day of all saints, in which all saints are commemorated. So each and every one of you has another feast day. You don't just have one feast day, you have at least two feast days. So what makes a saint? It's the grace of God that works in them. That's what makes a saint. And We hear that in this profound epistle that I can't help but read a sizable portion of once more. Listen to the accomplishments of the saints. Brethren, all the saints through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, received promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received their dead by resurrection. And now we hear the other half of the saints' life. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and scourging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were killed with the sword. So we hear in there two aspects of a saint's life. Both the wonderful, amazing accomplishments, which are the things that we so often think of, the miracles, uh, the amazing feats that are beyond human comprehension, and then also the other side, which is the absolute fidelity to our Lord, even to the point of death, to the point of all kinds of extreme tortures. And St. Paul here was talking about the Old Testament, We hear this and we think of all the saints, but he was talking about all those people before Christ that we read about. But this has continued through the millennia of Christianity as well. We see even today there are saints who continue to emulate this. Saint Maria of Paris, who did so many amazing works towards those around her and died for the faith. And Papa Nicholas Panas, who was a little priest in literally a little priest in Athens about a hundred years ago and he was just a humble priest and yet sometimes it was raining and he had to get to a church for a liturgy pouring rain and he would walk inside completely dry and people would see him walking away and there would be just this space around him where the rain didn't touch or other times where he was celebrating liturgy with angels, amazing, amazing things. However, their greatness isn't in a worldly way. They are not heroes in the sense of the world. They're not people who have these great accomplishments that they have done. You see, all of the saints are a testimony to God and God alone, to God's power, to His might, to His strength, and all of the things that God does in the world. The saints are witnesses to those. They're also partakers in those. And the thing is, we're all called to the same. We're called to that same thing. What we hear in that epistle, that's what we're called to. Because we have this word in English, saint. And saint is someone who is canonized, they have an icon, we have hymns. But in Greek, the word is agios. And yes, it means saint, but it also means holy one. Who in this room is not called to be holy? Who is not called to be holy? Everyone is. So the question is, how do we accomplish this? And there's one simple and sure path, and that's the path of humility. To push away all praises, to attribute nothing to ourselves, and most importantly, to see ourselves for who we truly are. Because so often we see ourselves in our virtues, which are God-given. We see ourselves as the the things we're good at, the things that we have accomplished. And yet all of these things, as as St. James says and as the prayer in the liturgy says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything that is good is from God. And so humility, another way of saying that is recognizing the truth that all things are from God. So how do we pursue humility? Uh, St. Piusius gives us a really nice uh, analogy. What he says is, you know how when they want to send rockets up into space, they do a countdown? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. This is what we need to do. If we place ourselves below everyone, we make ourselves into zero, then God will propel us up into the atmosphere. It's a nice little image if you think about that. Or if you prefer math instead, we become a zero. We become even more humble. Another zero, another zero, another zero. What does God do? He puts a one in front of that. Changes it entirely, doesn't it? This is the way that we can enact God's power in us, because as long as we're seeking our own power, our own fame, to be heroes in a worldly way, we can never really be zeros, but then God can work through the amazing miracles that we hear in the epistle today. So to become holy, we must become zero. It's a great paradox, and this is something that is entirely not the way of the world. The way of the world is every little thing that I accomplish, I take on as myself. It's my accomplishment. I did this. If people praise me, thank you. That's me. I did that. If people speak ill of me, I think, well, that's not really me. That must be something else. They don't understand me and who I am. But you know what? If all of this sounds a little bit too difficult, how do we make ourselves a zero? There is another way that God gives us, and this is the path I often follow. And that's the path, rather than humbling ourselves, it's to be humble. And this is what our Lord allows for us, and He gives to us. An opportunity, if we're unable to humble ourselves, we have situations in life in which we ourselves are humbled. Now if I can digress for a minute, a minute there's this whole issue of chairs in our church in terms of the chairs that were purchased. And I want to say before all of you, I was the one behind that. I remembered my first experience coming into the church, and the first thing that people are greeted with are these old, ragged chairs, and that's where the guests visit, the visitors sit. And so I thought, that's a great idea, let's go get chairs. But I was humbled to realize there are a lot more opinions out there, very valid viewpoints, And rather, I just thought, this is my good idea, let's do this thing. And so I realized just in the last couple of months that there is a lot more to that decision. I should have rather humbled myself, opened myself up to other people's opinions rather than going forward with this. I say that because also the chairs are about to arrive, and I fear that they will be a stumbling block, for people in our parish. And so I ask your forgiveness. It was me. I am humbled. And I ask that these not be a stumbling block to each and every one of you. But there is that path of turning to make ourselves into a zero. It's the better path. Rather than waiting for God to humble you, you ask God for the humility. You seek it out. We place ourselves below everyone. I want to offer a closing story about someone. There was this young boy who was raised on the coast of the Mediterranean, in what is present-day Turkey. And his family had to leave Turkey and move to Greece when he was just a young child. And they moved there, and they were refugees, and Greece tried to take all these people in, but they could only do so much for them. So the refugees had very little, very little. This was all through the 20s and 30s, late 20s and 30s, which actually prepared them very well for World War II, because when World War II came along, in Greece, the country was ravaged. There was extreme poverty, there was starvation, and so this boy, now a young man, was able to bear through these times, always clinging to our Lord, always in prayer through everything that he did. He was enlisted, he was mocked and teased because of his zeal for prayer, and yet fulfilling his job within the military. So his desire was one simple desire. I want to be a monk at that monastery near the village that we live at. That's all he wanted. And so that's what he pursued. And by God's grace, he went up there one day, and there were three old monks, two of whom were more concerned about renting out the space in the monastery to the sheep for the shepherds, and one of whom was actually a monk in the right sense. So he went and lived there. And that was the extent of what he desired, to praise God ceaselessly and to pray to God ceaselessly in this monastery. And yet, I know about this monk. It's on this island called Evia. I've never been there, but I know everything about his life because his entire life has been written down. Because what pers- what ensued after that is countless miracles in his life to the point where people would come and flock to this monastery seeking his prayers and intercessions. And all the time this monastery was founded by a saint named St. David. All the time he would say, Oh, I'm so happy that the people are coming here to venerate St. David and to pray to St. David unable and unwilling to recognize that they were coming seeking his intercession. And so on this day, this very day, the Patriarch of Constantinople, the Archbishop of Greece, our own Metropolitan, and thousands of other people are at this monastery for St. David of Evia. And they're there to canonize him. And the thing that I see in his life is that he just wanted to be a zero. Because he knew that that's where the true joy was. The joy is being propelled by God, not being propelled by ourselves. So, I offer this to you, forgive me, um, but today is a, a very blessed day on the island of Evia. Because all these great luminaries are coming to pray before him and to pray for him and to ask for his intercessions in their lives. And so, uh, as a small token of that, I would like to offer that later on, after the liturgy, after fellowship, we have an acathist to St. David. And so we have the opportunity to say this Ocathus together. So I'll, I'll tell you about that at the end of the liturgy a little bit, but... This is one example of countless saints who desi- desired to be nothing. And so we think of all the people in the world who desire to be everything, and we look up to them, you know, athletes, movie stars, politicians, whatever it may be, and yet their greatness is nothing because they desire their own greatness. And the greatness of our saints is infinite. To the point where some tiny little man in some little village who went off to some monastery now has countless people thronging to his, to his relics to receive God's blessing through him. So I offer once more in this epistle today, this is our path. This is what we are to pursue, is to become nothing so that we can be propelled into this. So that we too can have all of these things happen in our lives, not because of our own desires, but because of God's desire in us. Amen.